0: Scotty, we're back. All right, mate, I need some topics um, unboxed because I need a better understanding and I think the general audience would love to understand some of these topics, mate. So if I find some questions to you or topics, can you unbox them, please? Sure. Here we go. So um, the impact um, on veterans and mental health of late. Okay. With regards to this old, I mean,
1: it's such a huge topic huge topic the issue is there's so many layers to this this box and we don't know where the bottom is so at the moment the entire veteran community has been impacted by this Breton report It's sent an emotional ripple through our community and there's a lot of things bubbling to the surface and first and foremost uh it's just a continuation of the issues we've had in the veteran community loss of purpose loss of identity but now we're seeing that purpose and identity actually being attacked by some of our senior leaders essentially And I'm not saying, you know, by those who have allegations against them, it's by all veterans, because unfortunately in the general public and even in specific comment, it's been the many that have been captured by what should be the comments for a few that are still yet to be proven guilty. So a lot of people are going through a continuation of that um, damage and struggle they've had with that loss of purpose, loss of identity, Uh, and now it's being brought
0: into everyday Australian conversations. So what are some of the effects that we see from the damaging um, mental health issues?
1: Uh, yeah so I mean concurrent to this uh, there's so many layers again so we have been inundated again by our community members and this was even before we launched Voice of a Veteran but that was even in their support before I think it was October 16th I went down to the Department of Veterans Affairs to meet with them after going through my own plight as we spoke about beforehand in August where I thought that it was time for me to remove myself from the equation and I had a number of working groups via Zoom, via Skype and then went down and had a a round table um, in person with the Secretary, with the Commissioner um, for Repatriation and with a bunch of other senior leaders, um, former two-star generals and whatnot and spoke about with the the team from Open Arms and about their peer-to-peer support network and and all these things and as I sat there I just saw a great strategy and a a well-resourced amazing system And, and to be honest I saw some the right people, you know, really right people from The secretary through to her team they're the right people and they care but what i wasn't seeing was enough action or understanding of the tactical requirements and particularly as we talk about that that proactive space so i particularly went down there after talking with so many of my former guys who'd been involved in this burton report before it Mm. was released uh where we had been banned from talking to each other about any of the content of those we'd been isolated within an already isolated community and it's gone on for four and a half years and the mental health toll was huge, you know.
0: So, is the system and our current systems are they doing what they're supposed to be doing right now? Oh, I or don't, to you know, in order to help these mental health issues, right?
1: Short answer: No. Long answer: I don't think they know what they don't know. What they don't know. And that's what I tried to go down there in October and talk to them about. It's like, hey, you know, we've got a couple of dozen talk to who to, to the Department of Veterans Affairs cool. and that team, yep. DBA. DBA, yeah, DVA, uh, DVA, to their team to say, hey, this burn report is meant to be dropping end of this year, early next year, mm. we have a team of Special Forces veterans. You know, we had a, a few guys and girls who were willing to work with organisations like Open Arms to conduct a proactive outreach to be prepared to uh, reach out to these people because, you know, we've already got – mate, if people want to see, there are there are decades' worth of data. We've lost over 700 veterans now since 2001 and the amount of um, suicide inquiry reports – the um, Productivity Commission report into the Department of Veterans Affairs. There's so much documents and data. Mm. And as I started to read through these things and started to read through things like Jesse Bird's suicide inquiry report and the recommendations and just see these black and white recommendations like we need to conduct a DVA, needs to conduct an overt marketing campaign to pick up those veterans who have fallen through the cracks, transitioning from defence, because you actually have to self-apply to DVA to commence the process. Mm. So many veterans don't do that. I think one in five actually engages with DVA after service, let alone in service at all. So we have veterans who just transition from defence and are just gone and they're not
0: known to anyone. So there's things missing in the system, absolutely. Oh, huge, mate. From, just, from, the, from the very first steps outside of military life.
1: Yeah, absolutely huge. And then I start – and I could I could accept when this potentially, like, um, just – Ignorance, you know, not knowing that this stuff needed to be done. You know, we were all humans, we all make mistakes, even multi-multi-billion-dollar funded government organisations. But then when I start to read back through these reports and these inquiries and see the same recommendations, I went down there and I met with them and I was like, hey, you know, we had uh, Remembrance Day coming up the 11th of November and this year due to COVID, the state of origin uh, second game was being played on Remembrance Day. And the latest 2018 report into veteran suicides in 2001 lists that the highest category... Of people um, that is 30% above the community level for uh, suicide is actually men under the age of 30. Now as far as being able to capture a a collective audience and particularly as we know within the military you know state of origin is usually the one time you actually get off to go and see it there's probably about 70 to 80% of the critical high-risk people that are identified in that category are going to tune in to watch you know, two
0: hours of television. So these awesome marketing ideas, in yeah. order to pick up the ones that fall through the cracks, yeah. um, your ideas, have they been said, have you, has this been spoken to DVA or anyone else that can pick up that?
1: Well, a number problem? of other guys in and around, um, some of the other veteran organisations I've worked with beforehand have, have even like floated this beforehand. We're going to do it individually. And I decided to... to work with it a bit more and I sort of manufactured a bit more myself and then in an email chain with the secretary Liz prior to going down there on the 16th of October I actually said that to her and I said hey we'd also be willing to support that I don't need to be the front guy but we have the relationships with people like you know Channel 7 and whatnot. we'd love to go and do this and I sat there with him, and two things one willing to support a proactive campaign per the recommendations and two provide volunteer support to conduct proactive outreach to those veterans and families that were going to be affected by the Burton Report um, release. Vets? Veterans. Vets vets helping vets. Veterans helping veterans, helping each other at the same time. (laughs) Nothing. No, okay. Nothing. Um, It was a fantastic session. Mm. Recorded a piece to camera with them. Really great conversations, very constructive. One key takeaway we did get was that any um, veterans who were involved with the Burton Report could have their paperwork Um, prioritised if they had ongoing paperwork with DVA just given that it was accepted as an additional emotional stress but as far as any form of proactive marketing campaign or physical outreach nothing happened.
0: Okay so you went down there with the mindset of DVA is broken right in a way in a way my words not yours my words not yours Um, and then you went down you had these discussions some good ideas of were you know brought to the table nothing actioned as yet yeah what about the um what are we hearing from veterans reference dva well that's the 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 key because we've spoken to yeah, uh, so Airflowed. many yeah so
1: i really have to put thanks out to all those who've gone to our website org and filled in that uh transition uh from the defense force survey because so much of that information is what i then sat with mm. and said to dba like hey As far as this transition piece, you know, veterans who have already transitioned, speaking to currently serving veterans, is a huge common theme that kept coming out. People wish that they just had perspective as someone who'd recently transitioned and come back and tell them. Through to when I went down there, you know, I really went down there thinking that this system's so broken from my ability to transition last year without a psychological screening, taking 18 months to get surgery on my knee, all this sort of stuff. I went down there and appreciated that. It is a very, very complicated beast um, however, the purpose of that beast is not where it is needed. The yep. purpose of that beast is in liability and compensation, just like insurance. You know, workplace um, accidents and injury. You know, it's 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 we're, we're we're playing in that insurance space, even though we have com separate, super separate. But trying to determine liability and then subsequent compensation for veterans who have served and have undergone any form of physical or mental injury is their primary focus. But what is not happening? is it's that customer care and treatment and support and just the communications. Because it's a lens of looking at liability, it's not a lens at looking at No, well, I mean, I,
0: I can speak from personal, um, you know, my own personal journey out of the military um, is the same. I looked at DVA, and only that we've been div- diving into it that I see it differently now, but is it's the thing that you go to when you've got nothing left. It's the, the lifeline Right, which is what you're talking about, it's compensation, it's this, it's that, whatever, not the actual bridge, the transition to help me reintegrate into society, like what elements of DVA are doing the bridge work. I think the pathfinder idea is wicked, as in like veteran pathfinders that have already gone through this journey, turning around and going, yo, this way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's been that – even when I went down there, there was also that key realisation of where the jurisdiction of DDA starts and finishes and – there is that really um, disjointed lack of continuity and cohesion between in-service and after-service. One stops, the other one picks up, and that's why you would have heard additionally in the uh, latest budget announcements they're going to step up this uh, Joint Transition Authority, JTA, which is a two-star general appointment within Defence, which I also Mm. kind of have a little issue with because if you had asked me three years ago when I was still in the military to put together a transition package – you know, three years ago, I didn't think I had mental health problems. Three years ago, I didn't think that – I thought, you know, serving within the military was so much harder than civil life. And it's not about matter about being harder. It's different contexts and different requirements. So Heston Russell, or Major Heston Russell three years ago, would have put together a crap package. Yeah. And I have, every, I have every confidence that the, the general and the team that put in charge will bring everyone together. But for me, the issue is actually sort of accountability in your ability to – Um, do so, particularly in the climate where we see our senior generals or our hierarchy within defence being required to pander to political persuasions and positioning, and particularly putting it as a a subordinate position within defence when defence is actually what is creating this problem because defence is not transitioning Australians for life in Australia. Do you
0: think – so the number one – factor here that we want to stop is the suicide rate right yep. now do you think the compensation that dva or any other businesses can provide stop suicide or help prevent suicide well absolutely not because no the compensation it, 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 it essentially helps.
1: devalues us as well you know it's not addressing the problem and for some of us it's probably actually creating more means through which can we can be degrade the further yeah, yeah. It can be
0: fuel on the fire absolutely dudes don't know what to do some people that are, you know, have more injuries throughout their career or they come out mentally more unstable, for example, whatever, they're going to get, can get bigger payouts or payments or however that's going to come to them. Yep. Not knowing how to deal with that money after having a, a life in the military is an absolute, like I said, fuel in the fire it can be a beast.
1: Well, absolutely. We know we spoke about it beforehand about there's courses for everything in the military and not a course for transitioning from the military. Yeah. So this standing up with the Joint Transition Authority as far as a capability block should be what is required, but particularly going down and engaging with DVA and just seeing all the stuff that they had and the the most you know frog in a hot water, um, screaming alarming requirement is for all these capabilities out here to actually be pushed all the way back to the very first day or even part of the recruitment phase for defence. So as everything from learning how to put together as officers learning how to support your guys put in DVA claims should be a part of the standard military training doctrine through to the um, culture and perception around. Being accountable to injuries and reporting injuries and putting, uh, getting away from this impacting on deployability and actually having a more holistic wellness perspective of soldiers as opposed to just operational capability.
0: Do you think uh, the general qualified soldier is briefed well enough on transition whilst they're still in the military before they actually get out, or do you think they start trying to navigate, you know, the, the lands of DVA and? you know transition post military when it's nearly too late slash so well, it is too late
1: yeah as you know my rule is only ever talk to lived experience and myself as a uh, you know major qualified for promotion special forces officer i couldn't even do it you know and i'm taught command leadership and management and administration and i'm taken away from my job to do these specific things and i'm designed to be an expert in planning and moving around obstacles and problems and the one time in my life I felt absolute despair and my inability to solve a problem was my inability to navigate the DVA post-transition um, system.
0: Okay, I have I have a question I need unboxing to. The difference between DVA and ComSuper.
1: Yeah, so DVA is responsible for the ongoing support of our veterans post-service. Everything to do with everything that is included with that. And it's a very, very large remit, you know, everything from – Last week, uh, my grandfather, who was a Korean and Vietnam War veteran, passed away, and there's even a whole process whereby my nana then goes into a war widow's pension. He's um, able to have a, a war grave insignia put on it through to just um, emotional support linking in with key services, whereas ComSuper super is purely an, an insurance piece. And ComSuper super is basically that workplace liability whereby the day you entered into defence and the day you left defence and the, any physical or mental degradation that occurred during that period then gets put through their assessment system, and then if you're liable to any form of compensation or liability. But everything, like as far as ongoing medical treatment and support and disability points, that's all DVA. ComSuper is literally like you would have in your your workplace insurance. Um, uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I was only asking the questions because when I initially came out, um, I didn't know that there was two things that existed. Neither did I. I had no (laughs) idea. That's my point. It's like, uh, you know, and it still doesn't matter too much to me about which one does what. They support one another. You know, uh, again, they're still, to me, they're viewed as like that – you know, like you said, superannuation or compensation or they're a cash cow, yeah. you know, for people who absolutely need it, but I'm saying it's still viewed in that light to me. It's like that's why there's confusion for me between the two. And just just for people watching this at home, I
1: know we've probably lost a lot of people who aren't veterans going through this themselves, but for example, Scotty and myself just this year have both been recognised for retrospective medical discharges from service. You know, we left off our own decisions but subsequently going through and actually finally putting in the DVA claims for injuries that we sustained actually during service uh, and held off putting those claims in because we didn't want it to affect our deployability and then figuring out you also have to submit it to this separate element that is ComSuper. Mm. They then assess you on what you were recruited into the military and the medical state you left compared upon the job that you were um, recruited for yep. and then they have their own you have to go have I've medical
0: processes for both but i think that the key point here was i didn't know it was there and not until one of the pathfinders ie you yeah who had gone through the path before said hey bud there's this over here you can go through this right so back on your point well, no, see, you it was just, it, just incredible the fact that you know that's actually the, the state that we were
1: in and i just want people to grab onto that little piece that we were actually not fit for service by governing insurance legislation back in those days when we decided to leave, mm. let alone, um, you know, a system that has then suddenly, suddenly drawn that out for us. It's, it's, that's the culture, that's the climate that had us wanting yeah. to preserve our deployability, you know, and, and had us perform to our absolute greatness. But as far as now being able to step back and look at it through a long-term lens, that's yeah. not that's not healthy. Well, well, and how many minute. other people are in that same place where they're just forgoing these physical and mental um, injuries for the sake of deployability, only for it to all catch up to you when you're outside of that culture, when you're trying to battle this all by yourself in Siby Street. When
0: you're in the culture and you're still wrapped up in it and you're still followed by those rules, (laughs) um, your mindset could be one of that you, one, you haven't got the awareness of an issue, one, and two, if you did, aren't you just going to work the issue, work the problem and solve it yourself as you've been taught? Absolutely, mate. And, you know, this Pathfinder piece,
1: you know, through to actually having advocates who have to put in our – uh, and support our VA claims for us. This is, this is part of the whole issue. The fact that you need an advocate to put VA claims in for you means that the system's already too mm. complicated. The fact that you and I were hearing, I heard from another veteran myself about this comm super process is again, you know, th- this is all the stuff that needs to be put into during service, this transition course, or whatever you want to call it. And um, we can go into that in a lot more detail once we sort of work through a few more pieces there.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay, so that's DVA, changes to the system, you know, it's all happening. Um, Different subject altogether. I need some understanding on Royal Commission, National Commissioner. What the? Let's go. Well, this is, again, so while
1: everything's been going on with this Burton report, I love to jump on the whole fact that unfortunately now the Australian public are finally getting to see a small snapshot of what has been going on and contributing to the mental health crisis that has seen more than 700 veterans lost to suicide since 2001. And that is a lack of understanding of what's going on on the ground on their watch and a lack of implementation of proactive processes and requiring people to reach out and ask for help, which we've spoken about so many other times, is just not indoctrinated into us. So there are two key pieces to this. What's occurred is the government has put up this legislation for this national commissioner into veteran suicide and suicide prevention, which intends to be now a rolling commission that essentially has a lot of the powers of a royal commission to then call forward people, provide evidence and conduct investigation into any um, any veteran death that is deemed to be considered to be suicide. And, you know, one key win we've had uh, even going down and working with people like Jackie Lambie and those in, in Parliament who support our veterans has been to even get the remit of that change to uh, take into consideration not just uh, those who have been lost to suicide but also suicide attempts and suicide ideation and... The other week I gave evidence to the uh, Senate committee uh, inquiry hearing into this proposed bill for the National Commissioner Uh, and I have to put a huge shout out to our veteran community who again via our website provided me with some key information and questions and that was a key part as a result of that, asking them to change that scope to include suicide attempts and ideations because you know, like us, mate, we can sit there and actually tell people firsthand where it went wrong as opposed to requiring the families to do that it has to be an all-informed communications network but the key part here is and i definitely want to and that's what we even part here with voice of veteran trying to do our part in suicide prevention and supporting people in their mental health post-service but the fact of the matter is there have already been over 700 deaths There have already been so many inquiries, which, again, as I said through at the start, I have read through recommendations that have been written multiple times in multiple different reports and have not been actioned. There is liability and accountability that needs to be laid. And you would have heard me the other week when I went down with Jackie Lambie to Parliament House and said that I have lost trust in our government to be able to mark its own homework. And I say that because we've seen our senior leaders and our senior generals stand up and conduct actions that have had some of the worst impacts on the mental health of our veteran community on the mental health of the families of our fallen some of them who told me that they thought they were healed after nearly 10 year anniversary this year of the loss of their son and this has ripped those scars wide open and made them defend themselves yet again i have seen acts of extreme negligence that have directly damaged our community um in a, in a more accelerated rate than we've seen in a long time, you know, 11 veteran deaths since the release of the Breton Report. You know, that's an increase of about 62%. You know, we're already up to nearly 70 veteran suicides this year alone. And there's a lot going on with COVID and whatnot. So that's why I say there is this accountability piece. The, the suicides up to now need to be investigated by a royal commission that has the powers to be independent to the government and is able to publicly bring forward and address and highlight the liability and accountability that is placed on those government departments, individuals, whoever it is, up until now. Then what we need moving forward is this rolling national commissioner with the powers that it has. And yesterday I met with the good doctor and the the commissioner team to conduct a roundtable conversation. She's the uh, interim commissioner uh, and some other veteran support organisations to help inform the future decisions in this initial report she has to place. And I've asked her and the team to provide better delineation of how they're actually going to hold government organisations and individuals accountable during the conduct of their inquiries. Because it's one thing to say, hey, yes, we've identified that these people are culpable and I'm sitting there saying, so cool, How how does that happen? Who do you report that to? How does the Australian public know who has not followed through and how do we hold them responsible to that? And while it's sort of, oh, I report to parliament, I do this, it's not clearly defined. And as we know, mate, unless you define accountability and responsibility, there's grey area that is going to fall through, particularly at the moment since everything is being judged through black and white. So it's such a confusing topic. Let me. T- I want to just quickly summarise that again. We need a Royal Commission in order to conduct investigation and hold accountability to the veteran suicides that have occurred back to at least 2001. Moving forward, we need – because a Royal Commission is a fixed period of time and a fixed scope – moving forward – we need the national commissioner into veteran suicide and suicide prevention to then all new suicides that happen conduct immediate investigation. So essentially you can then add intelligence and information into this stockpile of information we already have to identify new tactics, techniques or procedures that are occurring in this mental health decline that suicide space to conduct immediate time-sensitive reaction and proactive outreach into the government bodies and communications and education out and forward. And it's just unrealistic to think that that one commissioner is going to be able to do all that accurate accountability and investigation back in time for them to what has to be their primary focus is conducting proactive and preventing further suicides. That's
0: what I was going to ask. So you believe that this you know, Royal Commission, this is the hardest we can go as a collective, as the country, right, to help us... You know, lessen suicides. the 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 question here is: so it, they have to they have to
1: play together. You know, a royal commission is is great at what it's designed for. And for everyone's perspective, back in the the Pink Bats tragedy, four people died um, during the, the the government's Pink Bats um, disaster. A royal commission was called into that. Um, unfortunately, what we're now seeing is families of those veterans who have already been lost to suicide, have been calling for a royal commission and it's not not occurring and we've seen the government stand it up for, 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 for less number of lives lost, not, not less value of lives and, and there's just this question mark where we hear our Prime Minister coming out and senior leaders coming out so readily um, you know in, in what are perceived as acts of betrayal to our veteran community and not supporting them until they've been proven guilty in a court of law and at the same time avoiding what is should be a clear-cut, standalone. alone um, Royal Commission into what's going on in in a a positive sense to try and better understand, provide resources to actually dive into the full depth that is required, Mm. and instead trying to just quickly move us on to this commissioner who is meant to be doing suicide prevention and researching back into over seven hundred veteran suicides. It it just does it doesn't make sense, and there's a lack of respect that is really starting to sink into and being communicated by many of the families of those who have. Lost their their veteran members to suicide, by the government not simply paying them respect to stand up and, and call for a royal commission.
0: So, who else is on your side for this? Because it's pretty high level stuff.
1: The, the key part is there's no sides. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you you get it. You know, this is where I'm trying to be so careful because you know the, the Labor Party has come out um, and is advocating for this royal commission and is blocking this National Commissioner Bill until the Royal Commission is pushed through. And, you know, I am am talking with all sides of government because first and foremost, like you, mate, my support is for veterans. Yeah. You know, and for those families of veterans that, you know, their veteran isn't there to support them. You know, we take that personally on board. So the, 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 the difficult part about this and where it's been caught up is the politics is that, The government is trying to... So the the Liberal government through um, Prime Minister Scott Morrison is trying to push through this National Commissioner Bill instead of a Royal Commission. So what's occurring is that this National Commissioner is actually really needed, particularly in the suicide prevention space. But if that gets pushed through, then we have no confidence that he's actually going to call a Royal Commission. And a Royal Commission isn't voted on through the Senate like this bill is. The Royal Commission is just the Prime Minister standing up and calling for a Royal Commission. There's literally already the legislation... I think our country's had over 100 Royal Commissions in our history... Stand up and do it, but instead he's pushing towards this. So it really makes us think that there's something we know, we know there's liability in the system that has failed, and I'm sure that they would prefer to move on from that as opposed to hold accountability. But you know, it's 2020 and it's going to be 2021 and it's election year next year. We're not going away. We need both. The sad part is that this bill over here that could be acting more suicide prevention is being delayed for the sake of this. But you know what, this is where accountability is it's going to get yep. put on the shoulders of the Prime Minister and his team to do what's needed, so to not, do what's right.
0: Not your side, as you corrected yeah. me, no yeah, which was um, support, who's supporting you, and I, that's what I wanted to get into, is, yeah, in, cool. is those people who are like me, just standing standing fast, watching this unfold, because I hate, you know, what else can we do, or what else will Voice of a Veteran be doing in order to, you know, help prevent suicides?
1: And this is, you know, I'm going to get goosebumps saying this, when the last few media appearances we've sort of done and the communications we sent out asking for the australian people to help us hold our elected officials accountable as we said at the very start we need the noise and numbers and now we're really dealing with the very top level of politics and the only way in which we are able to get notice and take action on our authentic purpose to achieve results is by activating people to join us on that purpose and the amount of people who have written letters, sent emails to their local elected members of parliament,
0: to their senators. So should that keep going? Should, should guys out there keep the letters and things going? Keep writing to your senators
1: to block this bill. Keep speaking with your local representatives and let them know that public opinion is turning against this. Ask them why they do not
0: respect our veteran community enough to call for a royal commission and push this forward. Are there any forums that guys can go to, like, you know, Facebook groups? I mean, there's uh, a website with email, all that, like sending it into Voice of Veteran. Well, that's it, voiceoverveteran.org,
1: <laughs> joining our petition to retain the Meritorious Unit Citation, that's separate to that, but joining our mailing list because we're going to be sending out so much information and our website yep. is our key tool. and
0: Up- Updates on how this stuff's updates. going. Updates, we're going to
1: be keeping everyone updated.
0: Where hey, their words are going to.
1: Military and Mission Command 101, decentralising command, enabling people to have the first-hand message, and that's a key point that I want people to really, um, I want to really highlight, is that the whole intent behind all the communication we're going to put out, you would have seen the other day, even that full press conference, I put the full press conference up there, I want people to see everything in its full context and make up their own mind, because what actually happened after that was a lot of attacks in the media grabbing little snippets <laughs> and providing their own interpretation. I want to empower the Australian people to have all the information before they can make before making their own opinions and decisions, which is, again, what this Britain report has not done. It has provided an outlining of allegations that are absolutely horrendous. And so many Australian people, it's the first time they had to think about Afghanistan was that one report. You know, the Australian people haven't been given a chance to, you know, people are still asking, why were we there? What did you do? How sad is that as a nation? How sad is that then when you're thinking about veterans who are seeing their identity and their deployments attacked as a part of that loss of purpose, that loss of identity, and the people around them don't even understand it enough to be able to support them in that and are only grabbing onto that negativity. Um, it's, It's a very, very confusing space, and this is where we're getting into lines of operation, lines of effort, while our current line of operations for communications is really supporting those veterans who are hurting to providing that hope. To speaking up and providing through leadership by example through our social media platforms information to help them feel valued feel hope that we're acting on their behalf at the same time we're asking them and all australians to join together to have the real conversations to understand what was going on yep. and then to take action and hit it up to their politicians awesome. so to keep getting loud Keep hmm. getting loud and now the, – Make the, some
0: noise. Yeah, and, and the opportunity
1: and is to put it into action, yep. writing those letters, cool. harassing your people. As we come into an election year, like if we need to, we will make this an election topic because awesome. our veterans are worth it, those current, those past, and also, mate, we are shaping the culture for the future. And if we do not allow accountability, if we do not ensure accountability is held, what message are we going to send for our future generations?
0: Awesome, buddy. Well, thank you for clearing that up um, around mental health, the changes to the system, DVA, Royal Commission, National Commissioner, and why that's important, my friend. That's it. I appreciate it. It's a very cluttered
1: space. And my actual key concern is that with all this Burton report going on, it's actually been allowing a lot of this stuff to be occurring behind the scenes. And the more that we can do is get everyone together and have more open, transparent uh, conversations about this. And again, anything else. People can always contact us and find out more.
0: That's it, fire it through, guys, because the the topics that we're speaking about are the questions you've asked. Cool. Thanks, Scotty. No worries, my friend.
1: Bye. Thanks for listening to the Voice of a Veteran podcast. We really hope that there were some key takeaways that might help you, be they relatable, be they aspirational. But we're not just here for your entertainment, so please make sure you remember, move on and action from here.
0: And that's it, guys. If you've heard something here today that has truly helped you, it's our duty to share that information with as many as we can. Support is about being proactive, and that's taking action to better our own lives as well as the lives of as many mates as we can.
1: We love your support getting these messages out, so please subscribe. Go to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Voice of a Veteran. Catch you next time. See ya.